We have officially entered the month of November. And guess what? College basketball games will be happening this month. As crazy as it sounds, that is reality as we are now approaching just three weeks from the start of the regular season, Thanksgiving Eve. And with the season looming, Big East Media Day just happened a week ago, and I've got some great sound bites from, from that day for you on this brand new episode of The Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. What's going on, guys? It's been quite a week with a lot of things falling apart in terms of scheduling as since our last episode, ESPN canceled eight MTE events that were supposed to take place at the Wide World of Sports Complex down in Orlando. And one team that was affected by this was Seton Hall, who is slated to play in the Wooden Legacy, opening up with UCLA and then playing also uh, two other games, one against Boise State, the other against Kansas. So, Seton Hall's been scrambling, and according to a report, they will now participate in Louisville's MTE event that will take place most likely at the KFC Yum Center. Now, the names that are also a part of this event, again, other than Louisville and Seton Hall, you got Western Kentucky, Duquesne, Winthrop, UNC Greensboro, Southern Illinois, Prairie View A&M, and Arkansas Little Rock. So a smorgasbord of competition across all levels. I mean, Louisville and Seton Hall being the only high major teams. Western Kentucky being a pretty solid mid-major. I think they're in the best position to win Conference USA this year. Arkansas Little Rock, a solid team out of the Sun Belt. And then Winthrop, who won the Big South last year. UNC Greensboro, a solid team out of the Southern Conference. Prairie View A&M, a team that I had in the NCAA tournament representing the SWAC for the second year in a row. Duquesne, solid A-10 squad. And then Southern Illinois, another solid mid-major out of Missouri Valley. So a nine-team event that had a good variance of levels, but... Again, Seton Hall, I think, is very obviously the best team out of that group because Louisville lost a lot between losing Jordan Wara and Ryan McMahon. You know, and that's just naming two big ones. And to replace that kind of production, you know, the three-point shooting of McMahon and the tremendous all-around play of an All-American like Jordan Wara... It's going to be tough to replicate for Chris Mack and company. And to get a rematch, uh, another coaching matchup between Kevin Willard and Chris Mack, you know, two guys that have a lot of film familiar familiarity, excuse me, with each other dating back to their showdowns of the biggies. When Chris Mack was at Xavier, the battle of the bald 
Can't get any better than that. You know, Kevin Willard, more adjustments than a chiropractor. Chris Mack, stone cold, as John Rothstein would say for both of those guys. God, I would love to see a matchup between those two again because the last time that happened back in the 2018-19 season at the Prudential Center, a very good game, and that was Chris Mack's first season at the helm in Louisville, a game in which the Cardinals won 70-65. to So, as a stand for the Big East, Please give me one more matchup between Kevin Willard and Chris Mack. And speaking of Kevin Willard, obviously the most lively character that you're going to see at Big East Media Day every year. He's outspoken, doesn't have a filter, which honestly, looking at it objectively, is a blessing and a curse. But for me personally, I love it because... I love coaches who are not afraid to be candid. I realized that trend when I was in college covering him. And, you know, that's only continued over the past couple years since I graduated. You know, he doesn't mince his words. He's very upfront and honest. I mean, literally, when I hopped on the Zoom conference where Willard was having his press conference as part of Big East Media Day availability on Wednesday. You know, the first thing I heard him say was, as Adam Zagoria was about to ask him a question, uh, right before he was able to do that, uh, Willard uh, threw in quite a jab at him, asking if he uh, couldn't comb his hair at all before hopping on. <laughs> That's just Kevin Willard for you, man. Uh, he, you know, I, I know he's just doing it in jest, but, like... Let's just put it this way. Absolutely savage. I mean, some of the things he was saying, just absolutely hilarious. One thing, and I really want to get to the bottom of this, both in a serious way and in a, in a not-so-serious way, I really want to know the authenticity of Kevin Willard having a burner account on Twitter. Because he said in his press conference that he has a burner Twitter account so he can follow Zach Braziller of the New York Post and John Fanta. Big if true. Let's put it that way. And I guarantee you, there have been a, I can guarantee there have been a lot of people who have been trying to get to the bottom of that. But, uh, the biggest thing that he said, um, in regards to scheduling, uh, he didn't mince his words. You know, and I quote, it's been a total shit show. And the reason why he used that wording was because he also said, you know, to call it a nightmare wouldn't do it justice. It's been a shit show. And that's the harsh reality of college basketball and college athletics these days. It's been really tough to schedule, and especially with rescheduling at least the college football level due to COVID outbreaks amongst teams specifically like you've seen that with Notre Dame they had to postpone their game earlier this year at Wake Forest all the way until December 
Wisconsin's had a huge outbreak, and they had just canceled their game against Nebraska with there being no shot of rescheduling it. So, I can't even imagine how stressful it must be to the administrators who are in charge of trying to, you know, put all these pieces together and put together a schedule without it falling apart. You know, I can only sympathize with them. I feel their pain. And, like, the truth is, I can't truly fully understand that struggle because I'm not in their position. However, I can sympathize with that because I realize how difficult this all must be to just put all these pieces together and just pray to God that you avoid a COVID outbreak and that you may have to reschedule games or even cancel them. So that's kind of where we stand in that regard. But as for the rest of Big East Media Day, I was able to, you know, jump around. The coaches' press conferences, I had a little bit tougher time getting around to. Um, I listened to a decent majority of them. I only got a few questions in. Um, uh, the two you're going to hear in this episode uh, from Big East Media Day, uh, Ed Cooley from Providence and Laval Jordan from Butler. And then you're going to hear from a slew of teams and, and their players uh, during those sound bites as well. So, um, major takeaways from Big East Media Day, the preseason poll. No surprise at the top, Villanova and Creighton are your top two. I was a bit surprised by Providence at three. I thought that losing the slate of seniors that they had, you know, Alpha Diallo, Lawan Pipkins, even Khalif Young, Malik White, Nebet Holt. You know, that's a lot of guys to lose. But then again, you know, I understand why the coaches ranked them so high with guys like David Duke, Nate Watson, A.J. Reeves, Jared Bynum uh, now being eligible as their new starting point guard replacing Pipkins. And then uh, Noah Horschler, the North Florida transfer, um, he'll be eligible this year as well. And then UConn F4, which was a spot below where I had them. And then Seton Hall F5, a little bit perplexed by that. Now, I know that they lost Miles Powell, Romaro Gill, and Quincy McKnight, but Think about who they got coming back. Sandro Mamukelashvili, who was a unanimous first team all Big East selection. He was my wild card to be on the first team, if you remember from last episode. It surprised me a little bit that he was unanimous, but his first team spot well deserved. I for a guy who's 6'11, 240-ish pounds, guy can rebound solidly. He could stroke the ball really well from deep, and he's got a good interior game as well. He, he's the prototypical European big, which I, I, I think is fantastic. And then, you know, you factor in, you know, Miles Kale, Jared Roden, and Roden, uh, you know, be, it was highly spoken of 
by Kevin Willard. Uh, he said Roden last summer was the second best player on the team before he suffered an ankle injury that kind of set him back a little bit and, you know, uh, hindered his trajectory. But he had a healthy summer and is expecting to have that breakout junior year that a lot of people are anticipating. And I kind of believe the hype. You know, Willard went as far as to say is he's going to be an all-Big East selection, whether that be on the first or second team. And you know what? I can get behind a statement like that. There, there were several spots last year where he was brilliant and showed that high-level talent where, you know, you could see like, okay, this guy could be an all-Big East selection next year. And, uh, you know, I can get behind that. Um, the big thing is, how far can this team go with Bryce Aiken? Uh, Bryce has been rehabbing his injury, but in uh, player availability, he said he is expected to be ready to go for opening night of the season, whoever that may be against. Now, Marquette at six, I thought was a reasonable pick. That's where I had him. Xavier at seven, which I thought was too high. I just think that the youth and also not really having a true point guard, an experienced point guard as well, is going to hinder them as well. That can make a huge difference in a conference like the Big East. Butler at eight was exactly where I had him. That's where they were a year ago. St. John's at nine. I was surprised along with so many others. I was thinking they'd be in the 6-7 to seven range. But 9? That, to me, was egregiously low. I had them at 7, but the coaches didn't see it that way. I think, I think the way they saw it was that they really thought that this team would be greatly affected by the loss of LJ Figueroa. But you know what? I don't really see it that way because I think they're going to replace his production by committee. And they have the talent to do so. You know, Rasheem Dunn is going to be your senior floor general running the show at point. And then look at the other experience you got coming back. Greg Williams is a junior is going to start a shooting guard. Julian Champagny, who's I think is going to be a solid sophomore. Uh, Marcellus Erlingson, I think, has that Jared Roden-esque quality in terms of being a potential breakout star for this team. We saw it at the end of last season where he looked brilliant. And then I think David Carraher can make an impact off the bench. And then even the freshmen, you know, starting with Posh Alexander, I think they could make an impact as well. Well, not, not, not just the freshmen, just any, any of the new guys. Uh, and Vince Cole, uh, the Juco transfer, being another one of them. And then the bottom two, no surprise, DePaul and Georgetown. And then the all-Big East selections, I was in agreement for the most part. The only one I got wrong on the all-Big East first team, I had James Booknight over David Duke. Uh, David Duke from Providence getting the first team nod. And then, surprisingly, no one from St. John's getting on uh, the second team. Uh, the second team consisted of Bryce Enzi from Butler, Nate Watson from Providence, James Booknight from UConn, 
Mitch Ballack from Creighton. Um, and Matt DeMarinas, by the way, I think he had an interesting um, Oh my god, why am I losing my wording here? But Anyway, uh, anyways, uh, just um, you know, looking at the rest of the second team. Um Oh, now I, rem now I remember what my train of thought was, so forgive me for that. Um, I thought Denzel Mahoney might have been a bit of a snub. Uh, he was Big E's sixth man of the year a year ago. Matt, Matt D. Marinas had a pretty good point on that, saying, you know, with his scoring ability and how much he produced off the bench, now that he'll be in a starting role, you know, what's keeping him from being an all-Big East selection, whether that be on the first or second team, depending on how much he produces. And then on top of that, uh, joining... Uh, joining those guys on the second team, Justin Moore from Villanova, and then Paul Scruggs from Xavier. And then no surprises in terms of the um, All-Big East player and freshman of the year, uh, Mark Zigarowski from Creighton, and then Dawson Garcia, your preseason uh, pre freshman of the year, out of Marquette. So, biggest takeaways, I think St. John's is going to be the team that is, I think, most hell-bent on sending a message right up there with Seton Hall. Um, just with the talent they have coming back and how well they finished last year, I really think they are set up to make the tournament in only year two of the Iron Mike era in Queens. You know, Mike Anderson, um, I think he's got that Teddy Roosevelt-type mentality, you know, speak softly and carry a giant stick. And I think that's the kind of mentality that is going to help his team, um, you know, carrying themselves quietly, but doing big things on the court, being quietly confident. Although... The players that were available, you know, Rasheem Dunn, Julian Champagny, Greg Williams Jr., I think they were a little more outspoken, if you will. However, you know, they did downplay, you know, the preseason underrating uh, under that was given to them, uh, saying, you know, we don't try to pay much attention to that. But, yeah, we do think that we're better than that. Which, it's an appropriate and correct response, you know? So, and then finally, uh, and so my last big takeaway, um, the candidness of a lot of the players is something I really like. Uh, and you're going to hear, and you're going to hear quite a bit of that. Uh, during the sound bites I have for you from the best of Big East Media Day from the Igloo, um, from the questions that I post to these players and coaches, even though I only got two coaches, but I did get players from eight of 11 institutions. The only three I didn't get were DePaul, 
Marquette, and Creighton. So, actually, uh, you're also going to hear from uh, Georgetown head coach Patrick Ewing. Uh, the Hall of Famer had a bit of a short response for me, but honestly, I don't care. I got an answer from a New York Knicks legend, a Big East legend. You know, he's right up there on the Mount Rushmore of the Big East, you know, looking back on it 40 years since the league's inception, you know. So you're going to hear from him and a slew of others. And you're going to hear that right now. Here it is, the best of Big East Media Day here on the Igloo. Hey, Ed, um, Tim Best from the Igloo, only podcast on Big East basketball. Uh, my question to you is, you guys did a lot of things well uh, in your six-game win streak to end the regular season. So what were you know those things that you did really well that you want to carry into next season, into this coming season? I think the best thing our staff did was stay consistent with our with our message. You know, um, get our guys to just know we were a good basketball team. And I kept referring back to when we went to scrimmage Purdue. Um, it was one of the better games we had. That was a scrimmage where we played our brand of basketball. We had total buy-in. We defended with a purpose. We shared the ball with a purpose. And those were the things that we spoke of. And that was carryover. Um, I think once we came out of our Texas game, which I think was late December, I think we had a big, big change, you know, because even some of the biggies games we lost, we were right there in every single one of the biggies games that we lost. I don't remember not being, maybe the Butler home game was the only game I didn't feel we had a chance. Other than that, every other game we were right there for the either the win or a very, very tough loss down the stretch. Hey, Coach. Um, the big transition for you guys this year being, you know, without Kamar Baldwin, you know, a tremendous player, clutch gene you can't really match across the country. So my question is now, your senior leader this year, Aaron Thompson, uh, what's going to be the difference and how are you liking that with Kamar's difference being being the leader as your scorer with now Aaron Thompson being your senior leader as the facilitator running the offense. Yeah, it's a, it's a different dynamic. I mean, you know, I, I've been, I was blessed to walk into Keelan Martin, uh, you know, who was unbelievable, you know, obviously talent and a pro and, uh, and then Kamar, you know, had to grow into the role that he, he assumed last year with Keelan's uh, departure. Kyler Weidman was kind of our rock uh, with that group. And then, um, you know, we've had to grow. Aaron Thompson's been a, a stable piece for us. Um, and Bryce Hinsey on the inside. So I think those things kind of are, again, you know, you prioritize winning. And uh, there's, there was a charge to the guys to develop, you know, over the summer to the best that they could because they weren't with us. Uh, knowing, you know, that there was, uh, you know, a loss offensively with Sean and Kamar and Tuck and, uh, and Derek and Henry walking out of the door. Um and they've done that, and then I think it'll be um, who close, you know, who will make those shots or take the, or be willing to take those shots, uh, things like that. I think we'll get into the practice season and put guys in position, and you know, see you know what what develops. Who's our best free throw shooter to close games? We don't know. Who's, you know where are we going um, when those moments arise? We'll, we'll we'll kind of figure that out as we go here in the practice season and evaluate um, and see what's you know what's the strength of our team when. In those situations.
Um, obviously, since March, really, this has been a time of uncertainty. So in this time of uncertainty and unknown, what is it that is known that you know about your basketball team as of right now, as we stand today? What do I know about them? Like, yeah, and like how and like how they're coming together, you know, with the season looming next month. We have what I know is that we have four weeks left and we have to get ready for the first game. You know, we got a lot of new faces and we're still trying to get them to, to buy in, to fit in. Uh, they did a lot of different things at their other places that they were at. The freshmen are freshmen, so they still have a learning curve that they're trying to they're trying to learn. But it, I can't say that right now. Right. But I uh, pr- appreciate the time, Coach, and uh, best of luck this year. My pleasure. I appreciate that. Um, you guys had, obviously, a very tumultuous non-conference schedule, but at the end of last season, you guys were on your game. You be- I think you beat five ranked opponents in the month of February and won your last six games. Uh, so what were the things that you guys were doing really well in those six games that you want to carry over into this year on a more consistent basis throughout the year? I would say we played together for um, the remainder of the season. You know, things were a little little bit choppy in the beginning of the season, but, you know, uh, we came in the gym, everybody had extra work in. Coach really um, demanded us to, you know, be aggressive in practice. Um, I, I would say just a level of our focus, and we were very focused the second half of the season, and it really played a big part in us doing well. Uh, yeah, kind of what Nate was, you know, talking about playing together, but I also think it was um, kind of finding out our swag, kind of playing with that, you know, we can't lose, you know, we're not going to lose this game. So I, I feel like that played a lot into what we what we were doing. Uh, we had a total buy-in from all the guys and just playing with that ultimate swag that, you know, every time we come on the court, we are better than this team. We want to prove this. So we're going to play hard and continue to play together. Um, I think it was, you know, a bunch of things. You know, I think, you know, when we went through that rough patch, that kind of, you know, helped us, um, you know, figure out who we are, uh, what roles we have. And that's when we started to yell together and know what we can do, what we can't do, put, you know, each player in a position to succeed and, you know, contribute to the group as a whole. So it was that. And then I think the mindset of the group, you know, understanding that in game, in basketball, it's a game of runs. So you might go down instead of, you know, losing your head and, you know, just, letting the other team capitalize on that, you know, keep fighting, chipping away, and then, you know, coming back. So, you know, there was games that it wasn't pretty, but we still got it done. And, you know, all those, you know, rough passes kind of built us up and made us stronger towards the end. And, you know, going up against those teams in our league, you know, it was kind of like um, we had more sense of pride in those games when we played ranked teams because, you know, we genuinely felt like we were better. So, you know, when we go out into a game, we, you know, we'll play and, like AJ said, you know, prove that we are better than these teams. So uh, I think that's all it was. Obviously, the end to last season wasn't too great. You know, you lost your final three games, including in the Big East tournament against DePaul. Is that bitter taste in your mouth still carrying over into this season, motivating you guys heading into this year? Uh, most definitely, especially that loss versus DePaul. I mean, that that hasn't sat with me well since this happened. I, I mean, I couldn't, I can't stop thinking about it. I really just can't wait to start playing again. And December 18th, are you thinking about that rematch with them in Chicago? Uh, yeah, thinking about all the games, but yeah, can't wait to get that one back. 
this is a joint question uh, for the both of you. Um, you guys were picked, ironically enough, eighth um, in the pre- in the preseason poll, and look at what you guys did. You know, ranked as high as fifth in the country. You know, I ended up finishing fifth um, in the conference um, with with a ten win conference slate. Um, do you do either of you have this sense of deja vu now that you guys are picked eighth again and you know still with a lot of veteran experience coming back? Uh, I would say that it's a new season, so not even looking at the past right now. I just focus on kind of this season right now, what we have in hand, and just taking it game by game. Um, winning basketball is that's what games are. So I would say we have deja vu or anything of that. Like last season was very normal, but we moved on this season, you know. Like Bryce said, um, we don't really want to look at the past and what happened in the past. That might make us a little comfortable thinking that oh, it might happen again just because. So we just want to come into it with a new year, a new mindset that we just come in and put the work in. Same work that we put in last year, but not not looking at the results. Just looking at the work that we put in and how we can get that done again. All right. Well, thanks, guys, and best of luck this year. In March, you guys were just – Brilliant. Uh, you won three of four and were up at halftime of your Big East tournament quarterfinal game against Creighton before that got shut down. Um, but do you think the positive energy from the conclusion of that season, in, like, do you guys want to carry that over um, tenfold into this season? And, you know, in the same vein, um, I know it was a long off season, but do you guys all view yourselves you know coming in you know a year older a year wiser and more importantly a year better um i believe we're gonna you know take that energy into this season because at the end of the season last year you know we all were playing together we was actually doing what coach mike wanted us to do everyone was playing the role and you know he's playing defense scrappy fighting playing with our heart you know you see how far we got um as far as us three, just, you know, just continue to lead the team and, you know, push everyone and, you know, continue to, you know, be the best version of us. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, Julian, um, can, uh, any chance you can speak to the whole year older, year wiser idea, um, you know, not for yourself and for um, the rest of the guys? Um, well, when it comes to being a year older and year wiser, I feel like everybody that's coming back from last year, uh, we've taken a lot from last year. Like we've taken a lot of information from last year, and I feel like in practice it shows that we're putting what we learned to play. And I feel like the guys who are coming back, uh, core and not, oh yeah, core guys. Um, I feel like we've been putting we've been putting what we learned in into practice. And I feel like we've been helping the the younger guys, um, the younger guys, click onto what we're like like what we want to do and what Mike wants to do as a team. And I feel like it's just, it's, it's just good. Miles, I got one question specifically for you. You know, um, I've, I knew you, you know, during your time, it's uh, during my time at Seton Hall, even though it's for only a year, I followed your journey. You've done a lot of stuff off the court, uh, you know, creating uh, your not-for-profit uh, Cal cares uh, back in your home state of Delaware. Uh, but uh, on the court though, what do you ultimately want your legacy to be um, in South Orange? Um, my legacy, oh, I haven't really thought about it. I know it's a deep question, but I mean, anything you got would be great. Um, I guess just to be remembered as best as I can and uh, get another banner for these guys. You know, we got one last year, and it'll be a dream come true to get another one. Um, 
and just be remembered as one of the best that came through one uh, that were blue and white for Pirate for Seton Hall. Well, James Isaiah, um, how much has Coach Hurley educated you guys about the history of UConn? in the Big East, and I really want to know, has he brought out the old tape from the early 90s from when he played in the old Big East at Seton Hall? <laughs> Show you guys what it was about. Well, we I think our first official practice, we started off the uh, practice while watching some old UConn film, and it, it motivated us like to start like, the rest of the practices, and we haven't seen none of his, uh, his old tape yet. I mean... You got to push him for that now. <laughs> uh, individually, like... We kind of looked it up just so we was curious to see how he played. And so we was uh, really shocked by how he played because the way he played, he still had the little demeanor and swagger that he had on the court when he played that uh, he got now. So uh, it was funny to see that. But, yeah, he educates us uh, us guys a lot about the history all the time, actually, uh, especially with all the pictures and names around with the old school players. And whenever we're not playing good, he basically said, like, we letting them down, basically. James, you got anything? Oh uh, man, even even when we were playing in the AAC, uh, he just continued to stress uh, the history of the program and uh, how we have to live up to that expectation about the players that came before us and like uh, the, the winning tradition at the school, basically. So yeah, the, the stress about us being back in the Big East is huge for Coach Hurley. Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Best of luck this year. Appreciate it. Well, hey guys, first off, uh, you know, I hope you're doing well, staying safe out there. Um, I got a question for each of you. I'll start with uh, Jamorco. Um, you and Javon Blair are the last um, remaining guys from uh, Coach Ewing's uh, first recruiting class back in 2017. Um, but now is, you know, the two, you know, centerpieces of this year's squad as seniors. Um um how have you how have you two uh, taken on that leadership role and you know, you know, setting the example um, for the entire team, you know, with even the juniors and the sophomores and obviously the freshmen for, you know, how, how you need to conduct your business down in D.C. Um, just leading by leading by example. Um, this is pretty much a new team. We got a lot of new faces around, um, you know, kind of talking to them and showing them um, you know, the things that Coach Pat likes and what he's looking for on the court and also off the court. So just mainly, just leading by example, showing up on time, getting extra work in, and being alert uh, and attentive doing practice. All right. And and uh, for Kudis, um, you got a lot of minutes at the end of um, last year with Omer getting hurt, and you had a lot of brilliant spots, and, you know, essentially it was like a glimpse into the future. And now that you're a year older and a year wiser, how are you feeling coming into this year? And, you know, how much confidence is uh, coach Ewing instilled into you to make that big leap that everyone's expecting? I feel like um, last year prepared me um, a lot for this year. And I feel like I'm going to be ready to like step in and contribute a lot. And just do whatever I can do to help my team win. Hey guys, uh, so this is a question for all three of you guys now. Over this past weekend, uh, Coach Wright had your entire team uh, vote, uh, many of you doing that for the very first time. So what does it mean for all of you to have a coach that's so invested in you that he was so willing to help you guys fulfill your civic duty like this? Yeah, I mean, it was good for our team. A lot of guys had uh, just voted for the first time. Um, So I think it was a good experience for all of us. 
um, going through that with each other, um, having guidance from our coaches and um, them being able to, to walk us through it and getting help from the right individuals to um, put us in the position to actually get out and vote for the first time. So I think it was good just to be around each other and, and have that um, have that guidance from our coaches. Uh, along with Colin said, I think it, it was really cool for Coach Ray and uh, the coaching staff to, to talk about something that's just bigger than basketball and giving us the opportunity and the resources to go out and vote and make a change and, and what uh, is our future and what and what is going to be happening uh, further down with uh, how everything pans out with uh, the election and, and various other other uh, things. So I just I was really thankful and uh, appreciative to have the help and the resources to, to go out and potentially make a change in the world. Yeah, I thought it was a great experience uh, voting for the first time, just voice having a voice in today's society and just actually being able to make some change, especially with all the events that have been going on. Like Jermaine and Collins said, I think they they kind of hit it on the nail right there with just saying how we have a voice and just a great experience, bigger than basketball. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, guys. Great words. Best of luck. Thank you. So that was the best from Big East Media Day on the Igloo. It, It was such a blast covering it. And I'm glad I was able to bring all this content to you. I promised it would be good, and I hope I lived up to that promise. Uh, But before I forget, other important information um, from the introductory press conference from uh, Commissioner Val Ackerman to start the day. Uh, The Big East is going to be handling protocol uh, very seriously in terms of COVID. Uh, Teams are going to have to test, you know, several times a week and they're also going to enforce, you know, making sure that teams quarantine for 14 days. Although they are working on it to make sure to make it possibly go down to 10 in order to avoid, you know, any major uh, schedule shuffling and rescheduling. Uh, but, um, you know, it was interesting uh, to hear Commissioner Ackerman uh, talk about this and how the Big East plans to handle this issue. And it just goes to show the Big East is always out ahead of the curve with this stuff. They really are. Uh, you know, it started with this summer with, you know, the Be the Change initiative uh, for jo- uh, encouraging discussion about um, reform um social justice, you know, the whole nine yards of that and activism, which I thought was a fantastic initiative uh, from the Big East front office. And then, of course, with COVID, um, you know, a couple conferences, specifically the SEC and the Big 12, I believe, were inadvertently mentioned. Um, they haven't been adhering by their own protocols in terms of enforcing COVID and, you know, mask wearing and social distancing, you know, the whole nine yards of that and even the testing. So you know, the Big East is going to be strict on this. They want to ensure the safety of their student athletes, which I think is fantastic. You know, that's what the Big East prides itself on. And that's why, 
you know, you see so much success from the league, not only on the playing fields, you know, between the pitch, the diamond, and the hardwood. And, and that hardwood goes for volleyball too, by the way. Like, they, they succeed so much in that aspect and, of course, with academics. You know, they value their student-athletes and their safety. And they want to make sure that they safely have a season. And that starts with proper testing and properly handling if there are positive tests and what the proper actions are to prevent an outbreak. To avoid what's happening out in Wisconsin with the Badger football team. And even with uh, the University of Florida last month. You know, the last thing you want is that. Now, I know basketball, you know, you have much smaller rosters than football. But again, you never know because... Especially like with the percentages, like like there's a pretty good shot that you know one guy gets infected, so does the rest of the team and staff members too. You never know. So again, it's just something to be weary about. But again, the Big East, kudos to them for taking the initiative to address COVID head-on and have a plan in place and a good one at that. And then, of course, um, she also addressed uh, the cancellation of the Gavi games for this season and how they plan uh, to resume it, um, hopefully, if things go back to normal in 2021-22, that it will be held in the second week of the season um, you know, mid-November, you know, like it has been since uh, the 2015-16 season. You know, the first five years of the Gavit Games have been tremendous. Um, unfortunately, we won't be getting uh, some really good games that were expected to happen this year. But, you know, with COVID, you know, at this point, you just got to accept it for what it is. It sucks. But you just got to live with it. And that's, and you know, like, like it's said in the Tupac song, uh, I believe it's changes. I'm for the culture, by the way. You know, it's just the way it is. <laughs> Forgive my awful singing, by the way. Um, so no Gavit games, but the Big East Big 12 battle still expected to take place with a lot of good matchups. Creighton, Kansas, slated for December 8th in Lawrence. Uh, still the rest of the date, still TBA for the most part. But the Creighton-Kansas game looks like it is in stone uh, December 8th in the fog. So that's just something I wanted to throw out there so that uh, for any Big East fans listening and you know are intrigued by that game, which it should be a really good one, even after Kansas... Um, lost uh, Silvio D'Souza, who decided to uh, opt out of the season. Still should be a really good game between, you know, 
two top 15 teams in the country, for sure. Maybe even top 10. Because I got Creighton on the three line, but I'm still iffy on them being a top 10 team. You know, looking at it, awfully tough to discern, you know, who would crack the top 10 out of the, you know, the three seeds I have in my field of 68. But... Well, it's time for me to wrap up this episode of the Igloo. And it's funny how the last soundbite that you heard from Big East Media Day coming from Villanova players Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl, um, who spoke about the privilege they had of voting for the very first time just, just over a week ago. Uh, thanks to the facilitation of their coaching staff um, in their on-campus arena, Finner Pavilion. Um, you know, they exercised their right to vote as part of the early voting process. So, uh, before I go, a little PSA. If you haven't already yet, go out there and fulfill your civic duty and vote. Every vote counts. It matters. And... You know, as simplistic as it may sound, voting is one of the most patriotic acts you can do. And, you know, there are, you know, a lot of things that, you know, would rank above that, like, you know, serving your country in the military. You know, things like that. But... It's a patriotic act to vote as well, you know, to, like Jermaine and Jeremiah said, you know, using your voice to impact change in this country and vote for how you want things to be for the next four years. Or even at the lower levels, you know, if you're voting for your Congress member, you know, for every two years. And even down at your local levels, you know, for me, like the New York State Assembly, um, New York State Supreme Court, you know, so on and so forth. You know, I'll be, I'll be checking off all those boxes when I go to vote, you know, tomorrow. So, again, if you haven't done early voting yet, make sure you get to the polls and vote. Fulfill your civic duty. It's on all of us. Uh, to correctly voice our opinions and help shape the way in which we want our country to go moving forward. So you have the right to vote. Exercise that right tomorrow. So on the next episode of the Igloo, I've got an interview, another one with a Big East alum as I've got Xavier alum Malcolm Bernard, who is a starter on the Musketeers 2017 Elite Eight squad. I'm going to talk to him about uh, that season and the wild ride his team went on um, as America's Cinderella in that year's tournament as an 11 seed reaching the Elite Eight uh, before falling to the eventual national runner-ups from Gonzaga. So that's a really good interview. Highly suggest you listening to that on the next episode of the Igloo. I hope you enjoyed this episode and everything uh, from this episode. I hope 
all the great content I promised, you know, lived up to the hype as I had uh, illustrated in the previous episode. You know, I promised you guys again that the content for Big East Media Day would be good. I hope I proved to be a man of my word on that front, and I hope you enjoy everything from that. And like I said, uh, and just like Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, and the rest of the Villanova Wildcats, uh, make sure you go out and vote tomorrow if you haven't already. So until next time, this is Timmy Ice signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll catch you all next time.